Well, good morning. Everybody doing great today? How many of you uh, ate way too much, fo- much food this Thanksgiving, all right? So for all of you kids out there, we're going to help you on your way out. We have M&Ms. You need more candy, right? How many kids are in here today? Can I, kids, on the count of three, can you say, let's, let's go with amen, all right? On, kids, can you do that? All right, so pay attention here. On the count of three, we're going to say amen. One, two, three. All right, let's see if you can do better. We're going to say this time M&Ms, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Yeah, they, they did better with M&Ms, didn't they, all right? <clears throat> so whoever you're sitting with is going to get you one of these if you're good during church, right? Now, uh, we, uh, it's time for our manna manger offering again. And so kids, when you go out, I encourage you to uh, take a tube of M&Ms and uh, then uh, don't let your parents eat it. You eat that, all right, after your parents give you permission. And then we want you to fill this up with quarters, okay, and bring it back for the manna manger Offering And you guys should have probably received, many of you received uh, a card uh, when you walked in this morning. Uh, this is where that money, uh, the manna manger offering is going to be going this year. And uh, so you adults have a reminder as well. And uh, so there's information on that. If you didn't get one of these, you, these will be made available on your way out uh, this morning. And uh, man, I appreciate uh, Israel and uh, the Spanish ministry. Would you, would you give them a hand for leading us again this morning? appreciate them. Some of you uh, may have walked in late. I should say a lot of you walked in late this morning. Maybe you didn't get to hear, but uh, Israel uh, leads our Spanish ministry, and uh, they are usually in the chapel while we're meeting in here and have a bilingual service there. And uh, so most, most of the last Sundays of the month, they're in here with us, and so it just worked out great for them uh, to lead us today. And so I appreciate Israel uh, leading us in worship today. But I want to encourage you to turn with me. Uh, we're going to actually turn a few places, but if you want to hold your spots, we're eventually going to get to 2 Timothy, all right? 2 Timothy. Now, we have, this is uh, today our last message in this series, 2020 Vision. And we've been talking about, uh, really we took a while to look back on the history of Hallmark. Uh, Hallmark has uh, been in existence for 70 years now. And uh, Hallmark is a great place to be a part of, isn't it? Um, and and just kind of on a side note, I, Jerry and Jeannie, could maybe we have a demonstration of this chicken dance? Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we want to see that or not, honestly. But uh, this is a great place to be a part of, and I would say that oftentimes when I, I, I'm reminded as I sit in my office, I have uh, just on the little desk uh, to the left of my desk where I sit, a picture of my grandfather-in-law. My grandfather-in-law was uh, Raymond Dunn, and uh, he was the pastor here at Hallmark from, I think, 71 to 76, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, And so I often look at that as his Bible, one of the Bibles he used when he was a pastor here is opened up there. And uh, so I often, uh, and I tell you that to say that I'll be completely uh, open and honest with you this morning that sometimes I feel very overwhelmed to be the pastor of Hallmark Baptist Church. Because I know, uh, going back all the way, I I did not know the first two pastors of Hallmark were not here very long, but I didn't know them. They were before my time. But uh, all the pastors since then, I've I've personally known. 
uh, and two of them I'm personally related to. And so uh, there's a great uh, responsibility and a great weight that I feel when I walk into this building and I, and I think of the great history of this place. And I'm honored to be here at this church, and I'm thankful for that. And I, and I trust those of you that have been around very long, you've, you, you sense that same pride of being a member of Hallmark Baptist Church, don't you? And, and I hope that those of you who are just kind of looking in and checking us out, uh, maybe you've been here for a recent not very long, then I, I, I would uh, be encouraged that I know that one day you will also feel that same sense of pride. But as we think about looking back, and, and Thanksgiving always kind of uh, makes us do that, uh, I, as I was thinking about the history of Hallmark, and I think about, again, my, my grandfather-in-law who pastored this church, my dad who pastored this church for, for 22 years, and uh, everything that, uh, that uh, while he was here, all these buildings and all this property, God allowed uh, you guys to be a part of. And, and so when I think about what God has done here, it, it somewhat overwhelms me. It excites me, though, because I, I think God is in this place, isn't he? And, and, and I think as much history as Hallmark has in the 70 years that God has blessed Hallmark, that I think the next 70 years God wants to do even more with Hallmark. And God wants to see greater things in Hallmark. And so I thought of this statement. It says, we can look back and be grateful, but we can't sit back and be complacent. We can look back and be grateful, but we can't sit back and be complacent. God has greater things in store for Hallmark Baptist Church in the future than he did in the past. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And so as we th- we've been walking through this 2020 vision, trying to focus on what would God have us as a church be? And we've made this statement every week uh, that really we stole from Rick Warren. And it says this, We believe a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment will glorify our great God. Would you, would you guys read that with me this morning? Okay, kids, this is time for you to, to practice your reading, all right, in church. We can talk out loud this morning, all right? So on the count of three, let's read this together. One, two, three. We believe a great commitment to the great commission, and the great commandment will glorify our great God. You see, our purpose is not to build a great church. You realize that? That's God's purpose. That's God's plan. That's God's work. Our purpose is to glorify our great God. And if we as individuals and we as a church glorify God, then he will build himself a great church. And so we've made this purpose statement that I hope that you guys will try to put into your memory bank, right? It's this, we exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples, okay? I'm going to say it again. We exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples disciples. All right, so we've, I want to give you a little bit of review this week as we've kind of, again, looking back on Thanksgiving. We've asked and answered this question, and it's on your bulletin this morning. I encourage you, uh, get your bulletin out, take some notes. There's a lot of blanks to fill in this morning, but we ask the question, what is a disciple? And there's a lot of definitions that we could come up with, but I like this one, and I uh, stole this from uh, Tony Evans, and it says this, a visible verbal follower of Jesus, a visible, verbal follower of Jesus. And when you think about that definition, that I want to be a visible follower of Jesus Christ. 
So when people look at my life, when people just observe how I live, where I spend my time, where I place my energy, the places I go, the time that I commit myself to, what do people see that I worship? Or who do people see that I worship? Do people see Jesus in the way I live? Do, do people see that I'm committed, I'm a follower of Jesus? If, they, if I never had a conversation with them and they just observed how I spend my time, how I spend my resources, how I spend my money, my energy, my commitments, would, would people see Jesus in my life? And, and I think that for too many of us, that we spend so much of our time and energy and resources and commitments in other areas that, that maybe when people look at how we spend our time and our energy and our resources, they wouldn't come to the conclusion that we're a follower of Jesus. I want to be a visible follower of Jesus that when people see my life, they see Jesus. I want to be a verbal follower of Jesus that in my words, people hear Jesus. And when I speak, I speak the name of Jesus. You know, it was pretty interesting. Uh, last week we uh, shared a video, and, and I got to interview Preston over there. He's taking notes. And Preston uh, was telling us about when he told Caitlin uh, uh, on the playground about his church and figured out that she didn't go to church because she was at Six Flags when she was supposed to be at church, right? And so he's going to be a preacher. He's like, you need to be at church, not Six Flags. But anyways, then I also heard another story. We had a, uh, a five-year-old, Gage, who shared uh, with uh, somebody at his school and, and this is what he told a little girl at school. Jesus died on the cross for your sins so you can go to heaven. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? A five-year-old can get it. A five-year-old can do it. And shouldn't that challenge us? Because we are inhibited by so many other things and so many reasons that just to have the faith of, of a five-year-old. They heard that Jesus died on the cross so they could have eternal life. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And they just told somebody about it. And, and so last week we watched this video of Preston and heard about Gage. And then I, I met this young couple that came in last Sunday morning. They walked in the door and kind of greeted them. And, and I, I asked them, uh, who invited you? Did, someone, did you just show up? You know, how did you come about being here at Hallmark this morning? And, and they said, Oh, Troy and Sammy Bartley invited me to church this morning, and I was trying to f connect the dots. Like, they didn't seem to match up, right? So I said, well, Troy and Sammy probably won't be here this morning. Their family's here. You want me to introduce you to them? Yeah, so I take them over there and figure out that Troy has invited this young couple. She, uh, she was his RN as he was uh, in, a, in, re in rehab two weeks ago. And I'm not going to give you Sammy's age, but Troy's 81 years old. We have a five-year-old sharing the faith with Christ with a, a little girl on the playground. And an 81-year-old who's stuck in the hospital sharing it with his nurse. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? I want to be a visible and a verbal follower of Jesus Christ. The next question there on your outline is, what is discipleship? Again, I stole this definition. There's a lot of ways we could define this, what discipleship is. It's in your bulletin. It says, The process of the local church which seeks to bring Christians from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. 
so that they may be able to replicate the process with someone else. All right? So in other words, we want people to go from uh, being a babe in Christ to being mature in Christ, to knowing more and living for God and being a visible, verbal follower of Jesus Christ. And, and so when we think about this definition, definition, that they may be able to replicate the process with someone else, then we haven't truly made a disciple of Christ un- until the disciple E has become a discipler. All right, you get it? I don't know if that's really good grammar or English, but we're going to stick with it, all right? Until the disciple Lee has become a discipler, then the discipleship process isn't finished because we want to replicate. And, and I want you to consider in your own life, and, and some of you have been saved for a long time. Some of you have been saved very short period of time and, and all in between. And I want you to think for a moment this morning, the word there on, in blue on the screen, this word replicate, to reproduce, or to copy. How many people over the two years you've been saved, 20 years you've been saved, 40 years you've been saved, how many people have you replicated? In other words, how many people have you made a disciple of Jesus Christ? You've been a part of the process And unfortunately, I I would say that probably most of us in the room, if we were to stand and say, this is how many, my my guess, my assumption is that we'd probably all be a little bit ashamed of the number. To think that God has given me the stewardship of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I can stand here and say there's a huge weight on my shoulders because of the history of this church and to continue that, what what God wants to continue to do in this church. But can I tell you that the greater weight on every person in this room is the weight that you've been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it goes way beyond the history or the future of any church. That I'm going to stand before God, my Savior, one day, and He's going to have me give an account on how I manage, how I steward the gospel that He entrusted me with. And if a five-year-old can do it at the playground, then maybe I should be doing a better job at it. So let's review real quick. We, there's three words that we're going to kind of Help us focus in on this, this vision and this purpose statement. We, want, we exist to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. Three words. If you haven't caught on to those three words, hopefully you will by the end of the day, right? So the first one we looked at was reach. And we looked at Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. And, and we're supposed to go make disciples and baptize them and teach them and to observe all things that Jesus taught us. Go make disciples. And we looked at this uh, that week. We talked about happened to be the Sunday right after the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther nailing his 90, what we now know as the 95 Thesis onto the church at Wittenberg. And we, out of that Reformation, came the, the five pillars of the Reformation, and we kind of summarize that into one statement. Salvation is this. By grace alone, on the basis of Christ alone, received through faith alone, so that all things lead ultimately to the glory of God alone, with Scripture alone as the final authority. 
I'm thankful. Uh, if you look at the screen, I'm thankful salvation is by grace, aren't you? I don't, I don't have to earn it. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins so that I could have grace. I'm thankful that grace is available by me placing my faith in Jesus Christ. And all of that is done to bring glory to God. And how do we know about the grace of God? How do we know that we're saved by grace through faith? It's by the Word of God. Are you thankful this morning for the Word of God? Are you thankful this morning that somehow, some way, through someone, most likely, you heard the Word of God? We want to reach the lost. We end in that week with this statement, the gospel came to you on the way to someone else. The gospel came to you on the way to someone else. The next word we looked at was the word relate, and we looked in Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47, and we're not going to take time to read all the scripture this morning, but I want to give you the three points, and they're, they're in your bullets in there this morning, all right? So these three points that we looked at, again, this is review. When we talk about relate, relate simply means to connect, right? So number one here, we want to relate to God through his word. All right, so here at, at Hallmark, we want to be a church that preaches the word of God. Okay, and that's probably the point in the message you want to say amen, okay? So let me say it again. I, I warmed you up for this, right? At Hallmark Baptist Church, we want to be a church that preaches the word of God. Amen. You guys got to catch those cues, all right? We got a little kid that caught it right there, right? That was awesome. Again, how do I know that salvation is by grace through faith. God revealed his word to me. I'm thankful that God has preserved his word for us. God's word reveals himself to us. And, and, and trust me, we want you to walk out of this room this morning feeling good about yourself. And every Sunday, you walk in here, we want you to feel good about yourself. But more than we want you to feel good about yourself, we want you to hear from God. And sometimes those don't mesh, do they? Somebody actually uh, this morning as I walked in told me, and this is, I, I think for all the older people in the room will get this, someone said, I've got my steel toe boots on this morning, so preach however you want. God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword, isn't it? And we want to preach the word of God. It's the only way I know about God. It's the only way I know salvation is through grace, by faith, in Jesus Christ, is by the word of God. And we want to connect people to God. We want to relate to people to God through his word. The second one here is relate to others through his church. Again, I'm, I'm going to encourage you, if you, uh, as uh, Jerry and Jeannie encourage you, to, to connect to a group, connect to someone in a group on Sunday mornings at 930 uh, we have groups that meet all over this campus, from the nursery all the way to, uh, I think, our oldest member that comes almost every Sunday is 98 years old. And if you can't figure out which group to connect with, come ask me. I'll point you in the right direction. Go to our website. It gives you the age breakdown, kind of the minimum age of each class, and go check out a class. Rotate a few. Connect with someone, because the truth is, Christianity, God never intended Christianity to be lived out in isolation. 
that you're never going to grow as much as you could. You're never going to be as faithful to God as you can. You're never going to know as much about God as you can unless you are learning and growing with other believers. You need to be connected. And, and the reality is in this auditorium together, as we're kind of spread out everywhere around the auditorium, you, you are not going to be as connected to God as you could be if this is the only time you hear the Word of God. You need to, to, as Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens another man. In other words, it's the interaction with other believers that, that allows you to grow in your faith. And I would encourage you, get connected into a group. Number three, we're going to relate to the lost through our example. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. When people look at us and the way we live and the way we love one another, and it specifically was talking about how we love other believers, then they should want what we have. We want to connect people to God. All right, so today we're, gonna, we're going to quickly go through the rest of this outline and replicate. And I ask you to turn to 2 Timothy. Some of you have been holding your spot there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start out reading the first two verses uh, these two verses are also on your bulletin. First, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son. Okay, so Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. Okay, and Paul is not Timothy's biological father, but he's referring to here this relationship of similar to father and son to Paul passing or handing his faith down to the younger brother in Christ, Timothy. And so he's referring to Timothy as his son in Christ. Okay, and he says, My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. Okay, and in the context, this word really is, is generic. It could be mankind, all right? So uh, committing these to faithful would give us the understanding of a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ, faithful men and women who are able to teach others also. All right, so the question that we're really we're trying to get to this morning is then, if, if a disciple is a visible follower of Jesus, if the process of discipleship is supposed to happen in the context of church and relationship, and the goal is that we're supposed to get those who are followers of Jesus from spiritual uh, infancy to spiritual maturity, then how are we going to do that? How do I disciple? And we could spend like an entire series on this question, how do I disciple? So we're going to make it really simple this morning, okay? The first one here. How do I disciples? I need to be dependent on the grace of Christ. I need to be dependent on the grace of Christ. You see what Paul said there to Timothy. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, uh, the truth is, most of us, probably most of you, my guess is that you don't feel like you're qualified enough. You don't know enough scripture. You've never maybe been discipled yourself. And so the thought of you discipling someone else, like Paul is saying here, Timothy, my son, I've invested in you and I've, I've spent time with you and I, I've discipled you. And what I've done in your life, you do in someone else's life. My guess is that most of you in here this morning feel like you're not qualified to disciple someone. And I'm going to just put your mind at ease this morning and say, you're right, you're not. You didn't expect that, right? The reality is, in your own strength, in your own power, 
in your own wisdom, you don't have the ability to disciple anyone. And neither do I. I can probably transfer some information on my own. But if I'm really going to be a disciple other people, what Paul said here is I must be dependent on God in my life. And as I walk with God, again, we go back to Matthew 28, and it says here that what we've known as the Great Commission, right? Go make disciples. And really the understanding of that go make disciples is as you go make disciples. In other words, in your day-to-day life, in your daily routine, whether that's a five-year-old on the playground, a seven-year-old on the playground, whether it's an 81-year-old in the rehab facility, and, and clarify here, it's physical rehab, all right? Just don't what you think bad about Troy. All right, physical rehab <laughs> facility, right? As you go, how you live, in your neighborhood, in your school, at the locker room, what does God want you to do? He wants you to be a visible follower of Him, and as you rely on His grace, His strength, his power, his love in you, then guess what you have the ability now to do? Disciple other people. It doesn't mean you have all the answers. I I promise that many of you in here this morning could come up with a question about the Bible, whether it's trivia, whether it's theology, that would, I would be like, um, I don't know. That, I know that really blows your mind, right? You thought I had all the answers. I don't even know all the questions. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? Can I still invest in other people? Am I still called to invest in other people? I am. And that's what the second statement, the second point there is. I'm going to be dependent on the grace of God. And I'm going to invest in the people of Christ. I'm just going to invest. I'm going to spend time. I'm going to encourage I'm going to strengthen, I'm going to do life with people. That's why I think it's very important for you and for your children to be here at 9.30 every Sunday morning to connect with someone and go deeper in the Word of God and go deeper in relationship with other people of God. God never intended you to, to live your Christian life in isolation. I want to invest in people. I remember, um, and again, I'll be the first to say, I don't have all the answers, I don't have all the questions, but I like hanging out with people. And if you, can, if you like to hang out with people and you like to talk about God with people, guess what? You can disciple people. There's a group of guys that we used to meet um, at Juan's uh, Burritos. Can I get an amen for Juan's Burritos, right? How many of you eat at Juan's Burritos? Okay, maybe they need to be our business of the month sometime, but uh, if you don't eat at Juan's Burritos, you don't know what life is about, right? And uh, we would meet once a week, and we would just go through book studies when these kids were in high school. And uh, I was like a kid teaching kids, I'll be honest with you. That's, that's discipleship, just spending, here's what I want you to do this week. Okay, you might have to get your pen out to write you some notes on what you need to do, all right? Or on your iPad or whatever. I want you to go to the church website, hbcfw.org. Okay, at the top, there's this, uh, going to say connect. I want you to click on that connect link. Okay, then you're going to scroll down a couple, and it says there, discipleship. Some of you are on your phone doing it right now. Uh, click on discipleship. It's going to pull up another page. 
and there's going to be a link there for you to go buy a book, okay? I want you to buy the book called Growing Up, okay? Are you following me? Can, I, can you nod your head? You're following me? At least pretend like you're doing it. Just nod your head, all right? Buy the book Growing Up and read it. Better yet, get three friends to buy the book the same time you buy the book, meet at Juan's Burritos or somewhere else, read a chapter a week, and learn the book together. And guess what you now will be doing? Discipling one another. Okay, I think too many times we look at discipleship as, well, it has to be someone who's trained feeding everyone else. So I am commissioning all of you to be disciple makers. Go online, buy the book, find your three friends, whether they're at church, at work, at school, your neighborhood. Get three people together, meet once a week, read a chapter a week, and follow the outline. It's pretty simple. If I can figure it out, you can figure it out. Trust me. All right? That's your challenge for the week, all right? By the end of the year, have a group. Maybe you want to start in January. Have a group. Because trust me, it's going to take you a little while to figure out three people who can meet at the same time every week or figure out your schedule. Because all of you are busy, right? All of you are busy, right? All of you are asleep right now. So that's, that's your goal. Buy the book this week. The rest of the year, you try to get three friends, whether that's at work, at school, your neighborhood, or in the church, in your Sunday school class. Figure out a time in January, you're going to start reading one chapter a week in this book, and you're going to figure out this discipleship thing. Now, let's read the rest, the, the rest of 2 Timothy. The truth is, discipleship is work. Okay? Discipleship is work. And look what Paul says there in verse number 3. Again, he's talking to Timmy, Timothy about discipleship, about committing these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also to replicate this, to disciple. Verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship. So I've just pumped you up to be a disciple maker, and Paul's just pumped Timothy up to be a disciple maker, and then the very next thing, what does he say? It's going to be hard. Thanks, right? It's reality. And then he gives us three pictures of what it means to disciple or the difficulty it is to disciple. Verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So if you're filling the blanks, there's soldier. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted as a soldier. So, so you get what he's saying, what Paul is saying there is, listen, discipleship is hard. Investing in people is hard. That's why you need to be dependent on the grace of God in your life. And, and it's difficult and it's tough and it's, you know, trying to figure out a schedule and they're not listening. And all these, all, dealing with people is just hard. You guys realize that? Can I get an amen? Like, dealing with people is hard. How many of you ever worked retail? How many of you ever worked retail? Look around. You guys know it's hard to deal with people, right? Especially at Thanksgiving, Right? I'm just going to keep going. Look, look what vor, verse 4, no one engaged in a warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And, and here's where most of us are stuck. 
Most of us are unstuck in verse 4. No one engaged in warfare. If we're really a soldier of Christ, if we're really about making disciples, we won't what? Entangle himself with the affairs of this life. The truth is, most of us, most of the time, that's the description of us. We're way too busy and we're way too worried about things that really don't matter. And you see what the rest of that verse is? So we want to not be worried about the things here on the earth that, that strangle us or entangle us from, from what? Being disciple makers. Why? So we can please God who enlisted us in his army. So the first one, a soldier. Number two, let's keep reading. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. But let's just be honest. How many of you, um, when your family sits around to play any kind of board game, it turns into a fight? There's a lot more of you that aren't raising your hands. Everybody that laughed knows. Now, how many of you have somebody in your family, you don't have to point them out, they may not be sitting with you, how many of you have someone in your family that you know if they win, it's because they cheated? <laughs> Raise your hand. My mom and dad have their hand raised. <laughs> Me too. My brother, he's terrible. He's terrible. I have an unfortunate motto. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? No. What, what is Paul saying, though? If we're really going to be disciple makers, it's going to be hard. We're going to have to make sure we're not entangled by the things of this world so that we can please God. And oh, also, we're going to have to play by the rules. And, and who, who set the rules? God did, didn't he? If I'm really going to make disciples, I'm going to have to play by the rules. Let's continue. Number six. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crop. So we have a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. The hardworking farmer. So on your bulletin, if you, ha if you have a pen, or I want you to write this out. Okay, so mine is just written out here to the side by a soldier, athlete, and farmer. We've kind of already gone over them, but this will, this will help you remember this, all right? So a soldier must be focused on pleasing the Lord. A soldier must be focused on pleasing the Lord. If I'm going to be a disciple who makes disciples, I must be focused on pleasing God. The athlete must be focused on obeying the Lord. Again, if I'm going to be a disciple who makes disciples, I'm going to have to be focused on pleasing the Lord, obeying the Lord. And the third one is the farmer. I'm going to be focused on working for the Lord. Discipleship, reaching, relating, replicating. It's work. 
being a follower, of a visible, verbal follower of Jesus takes commitment. It takes surrender. I'm, I'm going to live my life to please man or I'm going to live my life to please God. And if I'm going to be a disciple maker, I've got to choose God. I'm going to live by the rules. Romans says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, the rules of this world, the system of belief, the philosophy of system of belief. That's what Paul is talking about, Romans there. Don't be conformed to the rules of this world, but be conformed by the transformment of your mind. I'm going to follow the rules God has for me. And I'm going to work. One last verse. Let's turn to Colossians. I want you to turn there. It's going to be on the screen this morning, and we'll end with this. I won't take the time to read the whole passage. Kids, you've done awesome here, and we're almost done. You're almost to your M&Ms, all right? Colossians 1, and I lied. We're going to read two verses, 28 through 29. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. So Paul's talking about this mystery of the gospel that he's been entrusted, what I've already kind of talked about this morning. And that he's been, a, he's been commissioned to be a minister and to tell people and to preach the gospel and to reach and to relate and to replicate. And then verse 28 he says, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It's this idea, this word perfect is this idea of maturity. Again, if we go back to the, the, the definition of discipleship, we talked about that. It's the process of bringing believers to spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And this is what Paul is saying here is that we want to present every man. That's the goal of Hallmark Baptist Church is for those members of Hallmark Baptist Church. The reason we want to preach the word, the reason we want to stay true to God's word is because we are responsible for how you walk with God. And our aim, our goal as a church is that every member we could present to God perfect before him, maturing a disciple maker. In verse number 29, this is, you get the passion, you get the, the understanding here, Paul, what drives his life. Verse 29, to this end I, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Re- read that verse to yourself real quick. It's on the screen, just read it. To this end I also labor. Striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. If, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, if we're honest with God this morning, with verse 29, with Paul describing himself, could you honestly stand before God this morning and say that same thing? God, this is what my life has been about, discipleship. This is what, I, this is what my, my goal has been. To this end, I also labor for you to work in me mightily. So we, we have to wrestle with the question, are, are we replicating, are we discipling others? Maybe some of you in here this morning, you need to seek out someone who would disciple you. That we like Paul, would be able to say, to this end, I also labor. Would you close your eyes with me this morning?
And as we prepare for a time of worship this morning, maybe God has challenged you this morning. You know, uh, God is speaking to you through his word to say, um, this discipleship making, you really haven't been a part of that. Maybe it's the testimony of a five-year-old who at the playground says, hey, Jesus died on the cross for your sins so you can go to heaven, and that's challenging you because how long has it been since you said that to someone? And, and I just want to challenge you this morning. If God has spoken to you, if God has challenged you this morning to be a part of the process, however that looks in your life, whatever the next step in your life is, maybe it is God has said, hey, you need to go online, you need to buy the book growing up, you need to find three friends, three co-workers, three neighbors, and you need to start discipling one another. If God is challenging you in, in some form this morning, I'm going to encourage you in a moment we're going to stand up, we're going to sing a song of worship, but it's an opportunity for you to respond. It's an opportunity for you to come forward this morning and just seek God and say, God, give me the strength, give me the courage, give me the ability to, to share my faith. And this morning in a moment we're going to stand. There's going to be some of our leaders here will be facing you. They're going to be standing, they're going to be facing you. If you would like to pray with one of them, they would love to pray with you. You can just walk forward and shake their hand and ask them, would you pray for me? If you want to spend some time alone in prayer this morning, then you, you're welcome in a moment when we stand just to come forward and kneel, maybe to sit on the front pew and just spend some time with the Lord this morning. God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to be in a church that does have a history that's faithful to the gospel. Lord, help us not to, to rest in the history, but Lord, help us to lean on you for the future, to be involved in the process of making disciples who make disciples. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Israel's going to lead us in a song of worship. God has spoken to you, I'd encourage you to come forward and spend some time with God this morning. Let's worship together as a church this morning.